Father, thank you for loving us. We don't deserve your love. Um, we, we rebelled against you. We've sinned, uh, Lord, but you still chose uh, to reach out and save us, to pull us from our um, course to hell. In your love and in your mercy, while you were sinners, you, while we were sinners, Lord, you sent Christ to die for us. Um, while we were self-centered, you died for us. Um, when we were self-promoting, you died for us. And we didn't even care about you. You still cared about us, and you pursued us. And so that's what we're celebrating here today. Um, not what we can do or say. We're saying for you, but what you've done for us. And so would you draw us closer to you today because of the preached word, because of um, the holy lyrics that we sing, because of the holy friendships that we have in this room? Uh, would you draw us closer to you because of all that? Because we're united to Christ, would you continue to sanctify us, whether that's through suffering or through plenty? Uh, would you continue to do that in our hearts and in our lives? Father, I think of the persecuted church right now that is suffering all over the world that does not get to enjoy what we're enjoying right now. Would you bring comfort? Would you bring the peace that surpasses all understanding to their hearts and their minds and do the same for their families who are missing them right now because of their um, witness for you around the world? And so would you lift yourselves high uh, across the world today as your word goes forth? Uh, would you draw sinners to you? Would you break rebellion, Lord, so that you may be glorified? Would you take this message this morning, Father, and multiply it? Do a miracle in this room. Do a miracle through the web, those listening, and bring supernatural peace to the hearts of your saints. In Christ's name, amen. Maybe uh, you're standing next to a hospital bed, uh, next to a dying loved one, and you're a child of God, yet your heart is now flooded with emotions at a level that you have never experienced before. Or maybe you're faced with an unavoidable divorce. And your mind is stricken with the endless possibilities of pain that, that lie ahead. Or maybe you're driving home from work and you just left a meeting where you learned that you're part of the latest headcount reduction. And you think to yourself, I'm the primary income for this family. And your mind is just overcome with how quickly the emergency fund is going to run dry. Have you experienced this kind of uh, sort of mind-numbing worry in your life? Maybe it was an unexpected death. Maybe the news of a debilitating disease. Maybe it was the news of a, a car accident. Maybe it's aging parents. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe you feel trapped by your circumstances. And just a flood of worry just distracts you from peace. 
I could go on with a thousand examples of the scenarios that trigger a torrent of emotions that may cause you to feel hopeless and helpless in life. In moments of crisis or extended periods of grief or affliction, it's so, so easy to lose control of your thoughts and find yourself incapable of finding peace. So I stand before you as one such person. I even told Richard before the service started, I just feel like such a hypocrite preaching today because I struggle with fear and anxiety. All too often I've been gripped by fear or paralyzed by a multitude of harmful possibilities that may happen or could happen. Have you been there? That sick feeling in your stomach or the troubled mind that, that tells you that the enemy's fiery darts have hit their mark. You're hit and need help. All forms of relief seem to have failed and you're desperate. But then you remember, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. And our God is a God of peace. You may be incapable of finding peace, but you're a child of God, and your Father is the God of peace. And he promises his children unlimited access to his limitless peace. So I want you to to come with me this morning and taste again this great promise that our Father gives us. Walk with me and see how our limitless God offers limitless peace through prayer. Richard and I meet almost every Monday. Um, it's, it's not a formal meeting. It's not at a set time. It doesn't have a set agenda. And we rarely talk about strategy or long-term planning More often than not, we're just sharing our fears and our shortcomings for the task that is set before us. And so, we always end that meeting every Monday, and sometimes it's more than just Mondays, with prayer and with a renewed sense to press on toward the mark of the calling that we have been called to. So the Monday after the Limitless series kicked off, I I said to Richard, you know, if you need a break during the series... I think I have a limitless sermon that I could, I could preach for you. And I suggested that Philippians 4, 6, and 7 um, could fit well in the series because Paul in these verses tells us that peace that surpasses all understanding comes through prayer. And that's what the limitless sermon is about. Thank you, Richard. So Richard quickly agreed with me, and I was set to preach today, uh, November 11th. So we agreed that I would preach Philippians 4, 6, and 7, but we had no idea how closely related Philippians 4, 6, and 7 was to our limitless key verse, Ephesians 3.20. As most of you know, Ephesians 3.20 is the basis for our limitless series. And Ephesians 3.20 says this, it says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. And then watch Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the connection between these two verses looks like this. There's this 
this uh, prefix in both of these verses in the Greek. Okay? They both have this pre prefix, this idea of going beyond, going far more abundantly, and it's this prefix hyper. It's in both verses. So hyper in the English language is a prefix when we would say like uh, a child is hyperactive or someone is hyperintelligent or hypercritical. It's our way of saying that that person has a lot or in some cases too much of the stated quality. It's this going beyond what is normal. When we say a child is hyperactive, we mean they're way beyond the active that is sort of normally expected for that type of child, right? They're hyperactive. It goes far beyond. This is the idea in both passages. High above what is expected, all right? In the Greek, it also uses this word panta for all. So in both verses, God is saying that this surpassing, this going far beyond is comprehensive. It's all. It's panta. And then in both passages, the object that's being surpassed is our understanding or what we could think. It's going beyond all that we could think. Now, the difference between the two passages is that uh, Ephesians 3.20 is saying that God can do the hyperpanta, that God can do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think. But in Philippians 4.7, God is doing the hyperpanta in our heart. God is bringing peace that surpasses all understanding into the hearts and lives of believers. So in 3.20, he's saying, I can do the hyperpanta. And in 4.7, he's saying, look, I'm going to prove it by giving you this surpassing peace in your hearts. And the way, according to Philippians 4.6, that God does this is through prayer. So I could sort of sum up the connection with this slide here, God is limitless, Ephesians 3.20, and gives limitless peace. That's the connection between the two verses. So I want to unpack Philippians 4, 6, and 7 and see how through prayer, God settles the hearts and minds of his children. This is important because an anxious heart is a spiritually paralyzed heart. A fearful heart is a spiritually timid heart that avoids discomforts at all costs. If we're going to be effective in the Great Commission, we need the hyper-panta peace of God, the peace that surpasses all understanding. If we're going to storm the gates of hell, if we're going to push into the darkness with the light of Christ on Asheville Highway or in the Middle East, we need supernatural peace. We need a peace that surpasses all comprehension. We need the hyper-panta peace of God. And that's what this sermon is about this morning. So let's start with Philippians 4, 6. Limitless peace. So Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. This word anxious gathers its meaning from two Greek words, marizo, which means to divide, and nous, which means mind. This is what anxiety does. An anxious mind is a divided mind. The mind is so focused on the object of anxiety 
that has no thoughts of God. This word literally, literally means to be pulled apart. This is what happens in our mind when we are anxious and full of anxiety. This is the vivid picture of the anxiety-ridden mind. One definition I found that I like for anxiety was extreme uneasiness of mind. It goes beyond just being concerned to the extreme level. Have you been here before? It hijacks your mind and causes a consuming level of uneasiness. Some of your Bible translations translate this word anxious as worry, which comes from an old English word, which means to, um, uh, sorry, an old English word that means to strangle. It's sort of one of my favorite thoughts when you think of anxiety, like that's what it does. Anxiety strangles. What does it strangle? It strangles your peace. It strangles your joy. It strangles your ability to be present in situations at work, in ministry, with family, with friends. Anxiety strangles out all of this in our lives. And when I read this about the word worry, it reminded me of the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. Remember the sower, he's spreading seed and it goes on different types of soil and the seed that went into the thorns. What did it say about that seed? It said that the worries of this world choked out the effectiveness of the word. That the cares of this life choked out the word. That's how powerful anxiety is. That's how powerful worry is. It has the ability to choke out the word. Anxiety is a very powerful enemy against the work of the word of God in your heart. It chokes out the promises that we should know well. Anxiety in the hearts of believers is a very powerful enemy against the advancement of the gospel, the advancement of the word. It chokes out the word. It paralyzes us with fear. Anxiety is not something to be toyed with. It's dangerous. And that's why God is commanding us here to be anxious for nothing. It's worth noting here that the command is not to avoid the things that make you anxious. Right? That would be the very definition of being paralyzed by your anxiety. The command is, be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. Follow hard after Christ and don't let anxiety or worry live in your heart for one millisecond. Now, this would be very discouraging if, you know, the command stopped here, right? If the command simply said, stop worrying, quit being a baby, don't worry, right? It, Oh, you know, I, I can't do this sermon without thinking of the Bobby McFerrin song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. You know, that doesn't work in real life, right? Anxiety is much too powerful to be cured by a simple modern-day proverb like, Don't worry, be happy. Plus, as we'll see, happiness is not the opposite of anxiety. The verse doesn't say, Let your request be made known to God, and the happiness of God will guard your hearts and minds. Huh. The verse says, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. It's the peace of God that is the opposite of anxiety. So fortunately, God does not leave us here with, be anxious for nothing. 
But by His grace, He gives us the means to follow this difficult command. He tells us how to defeat the powerful adversary of anxiety. And the divine weapon in our fight against anxiety is prayer, by which the peace of God will come. So let's see what he says. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You see the contrast here. Be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. One is to be non-existent, and one is to be non-stop. The way to fight anxiety is to always be praying about it. The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. That's what the command is here. As Piper commented on this verse, this is not simply an alternative to anxiety. Prayer is not simply a superior activity to anxiety. It's that prayer is what kills anxiety. Prayer is the thing that we battle anxiety with. There's no other way. It's the offensive, proactive way to defeat the things that wreck our mind minute by minute, almost. Prayer is our first, only, and most formidable weapon, formidable weapon against anxiety. Start here. Start with prayer. The sovereign antidote to worry is constant prayer. And as Paul does, and in God's grace, he still doesn't stop here. He keeps on going. He doesn't simply say, don't worry, be prayerful. Maybe a more spiritualized version of the Bobby McFerrin song. No, he doesn't do that. He goes on to tell us how to pray when anxiety strikes. He's going to be very specific for us here on how to pray when anxiety strikes. Let's listen closely here because this is the type of praying that peace comes from. And that's what we want, right? Peace in all circumstances. Not peace for comfort's sake, but peace for effectiveness' sake. Keep that in mind. This is the type of peace that we're after here. Paul uses three synonyms for prayer. He calls it prayer, supplications, and requests. So prayer is obvious, the most, obviously the most general term for what Paul is calling us to here. However, he uses these two words that are a little bit more detailed, supplications and requests. Some of your translations translate this word supplication as petition, which means to lack, to be deprived of, to go without something. And isn't that where anxiety starts to come in? Naturally, to lack or be deprived of something creates anxiety. So what Paul is calling us to here is when you feel that lack, when you feel that being deprived of something, going without something, instead of creating worry in the heart, Paul pushes us to pray about it, to pray about the things that you are lacking. This is a very, uh, I would say, humbling prayer because you're admitting you lack something. In this prayer, you're admitting your lack of ability to handle the situation or the circumstances. We're real good at faking how, control, how in control we are. And God says, be done with that. Tell me where you're lacking. This type of praying both acknowledges a dependence on God 
and at the same time expresses complete trust in God. Like, God, I'm done here. I can't do it. This is the type of praying that he's calling us to, this humble prayer. I can't handle this fear anymore. He uses requests here, which to me suggests that Paul is telling us to be very specific with the things that are worrying us when we go to God. I think it's more than a general cry for help, right? I think it's, it looks something like this, God, I'm worried that my child is being bullied. Father, I'm terrified what will happen to my children. Father, I'm scared that my mother might not make it through this bout with cancer. I'm scared the test results are going to come back negative. Or Father, I'm scared that it won't turn out well for me. The peace-producing prayer that defeats anxiety is one that admits your lack to God and then at the same time is being very specific with the thing that is wrecking your mind, the thing that's causing turmoil in your heart. I say it like this, it's a ready prayer for every situation. That's what Paul is saying here, everything. You have a ready, specific prayer for every situation, every circumstance that causes that feeling of anxiety or worry in your heart. So I want to I want to say that when I say that prayer is a limitless weapon against anxiety, I don't mean, and I don't think Paul means here either, that it's like a nuclear bomb type weapon that annihilates anxiety once and for all and you never deal with it again. I mean that in prayer there is a limitless supply of ammunition against every anxiety. So if anxiety shows himself 4,000 times today, You will always have enough prayer at your disposal to defeat him 4,000 times today. And the same tomorrow and the day after and the day after. We have a limitless supply of prayer. In every situation, Paul says, prayer is always at your disposal because we serve a limitless God. That's the promise here. Now, Paul adds another element to this type of praying that I think is key in our battle against this paralyzing anxiety. He has this little prepositional phrase here, to do this petition, do this praying with thanksgiving. Peace-producing prayer is always accompanied with gratitude. Without thanksgiving, prayer is merely a, a complaint list to God. Complaining about all the things that might happen or could happen or have happened to God, to you, in your life. So believer, because of your union with Christ, because you're united with Christ, you will always have a reason to be grateful to God because of what Christ has done for you. So in every situation, this can happen because you're a child of God. Prayer that lacks thanksgiving will be a prayer that also lacks power. Prayer that lacks thanksgiving will be a prayer that also lacks power. And what about this thought? The knowledge of God without gratitude toward God is very dangerous. The knowledge of God without a gratitude toward God is very dangerous. It's the posture of unrighteous men. Romans 1 tells us about that. For although they knew God, they knew about God, they knew God existed, 
but they did not honor him as God or what? Give thanks to him. This is the posture of the unrighteous or darkened heart. The knowledge of God should draw forth gratitude, especially for those who are his children, especially for those who he sent his son to die for. So the prayer of the believer should be marked with thanksgiving. And not a, simple, not a simple thank you, although it comes out that way a lot, right? But I think it's more a posture of gratitude for all of the blessings that are yours in Christ Jesus. Maybe this element is missing from your petitions to the Father. Put your petitions to the Father in the context of thanksgiving. Cloak your prayers in thanksgiving, in gratitude, because you're a child of God. Again, this is a sign of humility. Thanksgiving is uh, recognizing that all gifts are from God, that everything comes down from heaven to us. It's a very humble prayer. The prayer that Paul is calling us to here is the unique cry of the child of God. Is this not unique? It's this special blend of pleading, crying for what you do not have mixed with a grateful heart for the things you do have. It's a weird blend. Crying for help but being thankful for what you already have in Christ. This is the prayer that brings peace. Finally, Paul says, let these requests be made known to God. I want to emphasize this part of of Paul's instruction to us, that we are to make known these requests to God. You might say, duh, Dan. I mean, come on, that's prayer, right? Yes, but I want to draw your attention to the simplicity in this, how simple this is. Peace-producing, anxiety-defeating prayer is simply telling your fears and anxieties to your Father. That's where the peace comes from. I tell my children all the time, if you're struggling with something, if you're scared of something, if you messed up, just tell me. Nobody loves you more in this world than me and your mother do. So just tell me. Tell me. There's nothing like verbalizing your fears, failures, and anxiety to someone you are sure loves you unconditionally. And that's what your father is telling you to do here. Just verbalize the things that are causing you anxiety. So now you might say, why? Like, Dan, for real, like, God is all-knowing, right? Omniscient. And doesn't Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount that don't worry about these things because your Father knows that you need them all? So why do we have to do this? Why do we have to say them to the Father? And the answer is, that saying them to the Father is not for God, it's for you. In some mysterious way, this is how God brings peace to our hearts. Don't know how. Simply by saying it to the Father brings the peace. Isn't this what verse 7 says? The result of simply telling this to the Father, what happens? And. So you do verse 6. And this is what happens to you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.
This is where the peace comes from. The peace of God is promised, child of God, the peace of God is promised when you regularly in every situation with a posture of gratitude tell your anxieties to your heavenly father. Verse 7 is the result of praying like verse 6. So you understand that? Do you get that? Like this promise is not contingent on you having enough faith that the peace will, will come. Right? We're told other places in Scripture that have faith and you'll be able to move a mountain. That's not what Paul's saying here. And it's not contingent on you praying exactly in line with the will of God. We hear that in Scripture as well. If you pray within the will of God, your prayers will be answered. This is not even saying that the peace will come because God will answer your request. It's just that you say it to the Father and then the peace comes. Just say it to the Father. That's all he's saying. He's not saying pray perfectly or wait for an answer, then the peace will come. He just says, pray this way. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And verse 7, the peace of God will come, which surpasses all understanding. When you place these worries on Him through prayer, that's when supernatural peace begins to invade your heart. Pray like this. This is the only place in the New Testament that the peace of God, this phrase peace of God, appears. Um, it's a peace that's unique to God because it's a peace that arises from His omniscience or His all-knowing. So, so God is not like us in that anxiety plagues His heart because He knows all things. And he's in control of all things. So this is a supernatural peace that comes only from God. When Richard was praying for me before the service, he used the phrase, bring a peace that dominates heaven. Bring the peace down here that dominates heaven. I love that. fits right in. Because this is a peace from heaven. And we want that in our hearts. God is not affected by anxieties because he knows and is in control of all things. And so that's why Paul describes this type of peace like this, that it surpasses all understanding. It's beyond comprehension because it is unique to God, the God of peace. It's this type of peace that is needed to effectively remove the extreme uneasiness of the human heart. This tells you how strong, how powerful anxiety is because it takes a peace from God that is incomprehensible to us to defeat it. This is how powerful anxiety is. It's this type of peace that is effective. And we tap into this peace by praying verse 6 type prayers. This peace is available to the children of God. This, this peace that's beyond comprehension. We get the hyper panta peace of God when we pray as instructed in verse 6. It surpasses understanding because it comes in situations that are unexpected. God's peace in the human heart is unexplainable and it accomplishes more than human reason can explain. This is the peace that comes through telling your father. Just tell, tell your dad about the things that are wrecking your mind. Now Paul tells us how the peace of God quiets our hearts. I love this phrase. This peace of God 
will guard your hearts and minds. God's peace stands guard over your heart and your mind when you pray, verse 6. The God of the universe standing over your little bitty heart and brain and he's guarding it. This is a military term and carries with it the idea of a garrison of soldiers protecting a city from enemy attack. This is what's going on when you pray verse 6 types prayers. The God of the universe is at the ready, keeping out the fears and anxiety that plague our hearts and our minds. The armed forces of the peace of God are ready to be deployed at a moment's notice when you pray. It's a promise. It's a promise of Scripture. Is when you pray, when you let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving, this comes. God's guarding your heart and your mind. Your anxieties are no match for the peace of God. If God is for you, who can be against you? There's often overlapping meeting in Scripture with these you know, hearts and minds. The heart is the center of who we are. Proverbs tells us that the heart in the heart is the wellspring of life. It's who you are. And I think of the mind as sort of how we process who we are and how we move to action or maybe even inaction. When we continually cast our cares on God, He is at work protecting both who we are and how we process who we are and move to action. He's protecting both parts of our person. This is what our God does. The final words of the promise that are uh, guarding us are these three words in my translation, in Christ. Uh, Maybe the most important part of this whole thing. Like this only happens for those who are united to Christ. The hyper-panta peace of God is reserved only for those that are united with Christ. The verse 6 type prayers don't work unless you are in Christ. Are you united to Christ? There is no supernatural peace available for those outside of Christ. That's sort of the flip side to this promise. There is no supernatural peace for those that are outside of Christ. If you're looking for anxiety, uh, freedom from anxiety, maybe you start there. Unite yourself to Christ through faith and repentance. Divine protection does not occur outside the realm of Christ. Peace comes through prayer. And that prayer, that type of prayer is reserved for those who are in Christ. I love how one commentator translated the verse. He did it like this. And by virtue of your union with Christ, praying like verse 6, pray like verse 6, and if you're in Christ, this is what happens. God's peace, which surpasses all understanding, will stand guard over your hearts and your thoughts. When verse 6 prayers are uttered, by those in union with Christ, then supernatural peace will be the divine protection against the attacks of anxieties. Without Christ, you're stuck in a world of anxiety without hope of release. 
You can medicate it with drink, drugs, entertainment, but those are just temporary solutions. Only by childlike dependence on Christ expressed through prayer is there true liberation from anxiety. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is our promise. There is limitless peace available for you today. Let's pray.